Welcome back to another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith, joined by George himself, the legend George Vogel. And we are brought to you by Bearcat Journal. George, it's another Tuesday. It is a Tuesday after a Bearcats victory. No it better is, Tuesday than that. It is a, a Tuesday now that NCAA season has begun. We are right around the corner as the NFL season kicks off uh, in two days. Yeah. Um, on Thursday night, uh, although we did hear some Maybe. interesting Jeez. news. Some some new interesting news on uh, on Travis Kelsey. Um, the Reds have found themselves contrary to the way that we were both leaning last week. Uh, they're, they're still in the thick of things. They keep grinding. They keep I, I have, grinding. I have no idea what the hell is going on, the Reds. But um, let's get started with the Bearcats here. Um, I know you watched the game. I was supposed to be at the game. I was down and out. Little little sick, but I did take it in on TV, so I had the telecast. Um, I know that you were excited to see what this new coaching staff looked like. What were your first thoughts, knee jerk reaction to this Bearcats team in action? Absolutely fired up from what I saw. I mean, fired up like I never thought I would be. Um, there, you never know what to expect coming out of the box, and I'm going to confess something. I have season tickets. I was supposed to the game, go to the game, but I officiated a wedding at six o'clock that evening. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I was a little PO'd about it before it happened. I'm like, is it for me? I've been working. <laughs> but I did the right thing. And the Bearcats, God bless them made it easy on me not to be there. I was able to watch the first quarter at home. Then I go, oh, and then, you know, I'm listening to the game on the way. And, uh, oh, my God, they did everything I had hoped for and more. Look, number one, how great is it to see a lot of pre-snap motion and guys running behind the quarterback and giving the defense something else to think about and do it? That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Emory Jones, we talked about him. Like, you know, you never know, but it begins with the quarterback. And the game that kid had, got to be the best game a quarterback's had in UC history is game number one. It's got to be. I mean, what was he, 19 of 23? I mean, just I feel like he didn't miss. I, I think he had passes, two touchdowns running. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I think, I think so the catcher. So here's me. I'm watching the game, putting my suit on, getting ready to officiate the wedding. And they're fourth and five near midfield or on the 49, I guess, of EKU. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Maybe just punt the ball. You know, you got more talent than them. Did it. So they go for it. And that play action bomb that Xavier Henderson, who God bless that guy. He had a first half that I've never seen before. Um, 49-yard touchdown, and then the route was on. Unbelievable. I give this coaching staff and, – and I'm going to say something crazy here where um, Scott Satterfield 
the head coach, loves punching up. He loves being Appalachian State. He loves sure. being an underdog. He loves going in that game and people doubting. Like, we don't know what we have here. We we, And we don't. You know, the whole Louisville thing with him, it was mediocre. Louisville was down on him. The fans down there were happy to get rid of him so they could have Jeff Brom. And it's like, you taking Cincinnati. This dude loves punching up. And I'll tell you who else loves punching up. The Bearcats football program. They love punching up. They've been doing it for 20 years. And uh, look, it was EKU. You can sit there and say it's easy to roll somebody, but it's not easy to roll somebody. No. They're college football players too. I, I get it. They're a division down. But to do what they did, and I, what they score touchdowns on the first six possessions, five possessions, it may have been set. It, it was incredible. And, and the precision and the spreading the ball. And uh, Xavier Henderson saying after the game, like uh, he, he said, Called him lunch lady. The lunch lady. That yeah. was so funny. He's right. He fed everybody. It, it was uh, – look, it was EKU, but that's what I wanted to see. If, if you would have told me what is your ultimate in game one against Eastern Kentucky, it would have been that game, and it would have been that kind of execution. Well, as we uh, – you mentioned it's not easy to blow anybody out. As you look around the Big 12 in week one, uh, the number one team projected by all accounts is Texas. And Texas, I won't say struggled, but 37-10 against Rice is not routing them. It's not what Oklahoma did to Arkansas State with at 73 to nothing. Right. Uh, BYU against Sam hosting Sam Houston in Provo. Yeah. 14 nothing. That's not anything to write home about. I mean, that's no. too close for comfort if you're asking me at any point in time. I'm not I'm not saying that I, I feel like I handily won a game at 14. No. Um, you know, uh, Texas Tech should not have struggled against Wyoming, albeit at, at Wyoming. But right. that's 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 a surprise victory, unless you're a Wyoming fan, I suppose. Right. Um Houston eked one out against UTSA. So, I mean, to your point, yeah. I mean, Baylor, Baylor. Baylor Baylor, lost to Texas Baylor. State at home. Right. Uh, and Texas, by, by 11. No slouch, but Baylor is not supposed to lose that game. No. So, um, you know, I mean. Do you just, remember UC struggling against an Austin P or a. I yeah. Mean, seriously. Uh, against Ohio recently as well. I mean, I'm out here in Athens, and I'm reminded right. of that every time I drive past that stadium out here, and I'm, I just think about it. So, what stood out to you when you um, saw the coaching staff and, and the way that whole thing came together on Saturday? Obviously, for me, uh, Emory Jones and Xavier Henderson, as they're the easiest things to keep an eye on, um, and a no brainer. I, mean, I had been high on it. Xavier Henderson uh, from the jump. I, I thought that the connection that they had shared in Florida was only going to progress here. And I can't imagine that that doesn't become stronger in a place like camp higher ground. Um, yep. So that did not surprise me. I had even said on a, one of the shows, I don't know if it was the nightcap, the BBP or here um, that I thought he would be a comfort blanket. Uh, so he indeed was at least right out of the gate. Totally. 
yes, you're he right. was he was definitely a comfort blanket until he got settled in, and I think that was a big thing for Emery to find his comfort blanket, get good, and after that it was off to the races. Um, so that was huge. Obviously, the run game I thought looked great, and I I know Chad pointed it out last night. It wasn't all that much outside zone as we saw Corey Kiner involved heavily on inside zone. So I think that that was an interesting little tweak, and I'm curious to see if we continue to see that. I know you brought up seeing some of the motion that we did not see for roughly the last, what, yeah. 45 years. We're um, since everybody else. Hey, look, we saw a lot of tight ends going left to right, right to left. Right. Yep. They yep. Were, all they did, the only motion they really used was adjusting the strong and weak side of the line. They take the tight well, end from the left tackle and move him to the right tackle, or take him from the right tackle and move him to the left tackle. And let's face it, in the old offense, that was considered motion. Yeah, you never saw a wide receiver looping behind the the no running nope. back. And, it, they, yeah. Well, they didn't have anybody fast. They they didn't have any small, speedy guys. Jordan. Right. Nobody who's in, in the league right now. Come up with a couple. <laughs> no, no, there, there weren't. There were no Trey Tuckers and Tyler Scotts on the roster. Yeah, there was year. nobody like that. Um, and, and look, everybody's got their own thing, um, and, and we know Satterfield's an offensive-minded coach, and we know how much college football is offensive-minded, and the Big Twelve is very offensive-minded. Right. But that that was great to see. I mean, I I, I just thought. All of that was great to see, and I it was fantastic to watch what they did. And, yeah, and I think after it, the I wedding, think... I came home and played every play <laughs> plus. Nice. So I saw everything because I wanted to savor it all. I don't care if it was Eastern Kentucky. And look, hats off to Cam Hergett from uh, Beachwood High School for coming in and doing what he did for EK at the end. I'm sorry, I'm biased with local kids, but that's, that's uh, quite all right. That's that was great. Um, the only concern I guess I had, as far as something that stood out to me, I'm not going to say I'm not going to stand here and say that I was concerned with anything that happened on the tackles, or because I don't know what offensive line play is supposed to look like. It looked great for the most part. I know in the I guess it was the third quarter, I think it was um, that struggled a little bit. Um, with Emery getting the strip sack and it fell apart yeah. a little bit there. Um, but I feel like that was almost like just a blip on the radar of the game in its entirety. Because uh, yeah. I think that they they adjusted and it didn't happen again. Um, and I know that there were a couple of, couple um, penalties as well. But that's an easy fix, uh, yeah, in I my opinion. Uh, yeah. But I, the glaring thing that I saw was on defense, just some of the gash plays they gave up on the run game and when you have this defensive line that they have been that's been highly ranked that's just something that i was a little concerned with i won't say it was a red flag but i guess it was something that i do see that i just was a little concerned with i will say this aaron it's never going to be perfect it's really not sure and you know that um you get in a game and you're up. What what was it at halftime? 42-7, somewhere. Um, I can find that out for you. Yeah, I think it was 42-7 at half. They get out to a 35-0 lead. Um, I'm not making excuses, but eventually 
I'm not going to say you get bored with playing because you're battling some guy with snot coming out of his nose every play, but it's not <laughs> as desperate. And every now and then it, it's going to, it, it's, it, there's going to be a gash. Um, I'm not as concerned about that as you are. Look, I wanted him to play perfect. And well, the two penalties, I will say this, the two penalties on, on, on the first drive for UC offensively, yeah, I'm ready to bust the television. It's like there's a hold. <laughs> then there's a hold. Seriously, how many penalties did we see over the last five years? And I'm not bitching about the last five years because they've been fantastic. But if, if there was one thing you could complain about, it's the number of penalties on those teams and the number of undisciplined plays sure. on that team. And I'm like, here we go again. Well, they ended up with seven penalties in that game, two on the first drive offensively, and the last two penalties were they took a five-yard penalty, delay a game so they could punt the ball in, and then there was, like, interference on that punt. That those So four of those penalties, or the first two mattered, but the last two didn't. So five penalties that matter, I, 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 I can accept that for a team that, that you want them to be aggressive and, and coach Fickle always wanted to be aggressive. And that's what he blamed a lot of the penalties on. Um, but yeah, I, I was really hacked off that first drive with the two penalties until fourth and five over the top 49 yard touchdown. So it's not going to be perfect. Um, and that wasn't perfect, but that was a damn good start for Scott Satterfield and that staff. It, I don't know that you could have written it up much better. Uh, I mean, you have you have Emory scoring seven to your point and and right. setting the record for most touchdowns in a game for a Cincinnati quarterback. Uh, no big deal there. Um, although he doesn't doesn't have the record yet for most touchdowns uh, passed in a game yet. Uh, that's still at six. Um, so we'll see if he can we'll see if he can get there. Um, I'm there this week. I didn't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ruling anything out for for Emory Jones at this point. He, he, God bless him. Big Twelve Player of the Week in his debut. Newcomer of the week as well. Uh, so, yes. well done, sir. Yes. Um, that all said, you have alluded to it a little bit here. Pitt is on the docket. It is official. Yep. It is upon us. Um, a rivalry that has been uh, dead since 2012, I believe. Uh, the yeah. River River City River City rivalry uh, that will apparently no longer be played for the ugliest trophy in the NCAA. I'll give you, you that. Shut your mouth. I'll give you Look, that. You shut your mouth. That thing I is love, glorious. I love it. It is so ugly. It is magnificent. It is that ugly. I I, I wish the keg of nails was back. To be honest, because you it see, it was. The, the keg and nails was here just in Fenway. It didn't go so well. No, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, but but this one has been retired. I don't I don't know what the story what is, is there. This time I've heard con contradictory things that, that the trophy is or isn't on the line. I I don't know. I, uh, I've heard contradiction there. Last last I had heard, and we'll have to see if if Chad can update us. But last I had heard was. That the trophy is is no longer being played for. Yeah, that's um, what I heard. That's a shame. That's correct. That's why? Why would that be? I don't get it. What the hell? It's Pitt. It's Cincinnati. It's a trophy, and the winner gets the trophy. What are they doing? 
My understanding this is, be good. is that Pitt said uh, we don't want to, and Cincinnati's like, whatever, we don't care. Whatever. Keep it in the trophy case, I guess. Right. It just stays here. I, I, I worked. I worked so hard all day. All day, George. I tried all day to bring it home so that I could have it right here. Oh, me that would have been fantastic. When I turned my camera on. I tried. That was fantastic. They were not up for my shenanigans. Oh, my God. That would have been great. That would have been great. I would have died. Right. The shock value of that thing being in my house, sitting behind me when we went on the air tonight. I think they know if it gets in your hands, they're never seeing it again. Oh, no. I would have brought it back. I wanted it. What? What I wanted it for was the BCJ podcast tonight or tomorrow night, so that when Dave and I did the pit preview, that it was just right there behind me. Um, but nobody would nobody would cooperate. What would UC sell that for? I think if it's not up for grabs anymore and it doesn't mean anything, would they take a donation for it? Silent auction. We pay for that thing. I, somebody would. I mean, I would people don't understand. Yeah, I would. That thing is massive. It's like That's six feet tall. I'd be like, okay, we're selling this to a booster, and it's going to NIL money, and we're going to use that NIL money to come after a pit player at the end of the season. <laughs> how, how much would Tony Pike to have that pay for that to be down well, in no, the basement? Here's the thing. It didn't exist. That's the thing about this trophy. It is kind of fraudulent. They only played for it like three times. Right. It, it did not exist in 2009, but after 2009, they thought like, okay, we got like we got something brewing. This is a rivalry. Let's make a right. make it a trophy game because the Big East was trying to like, like you know, get some juice. Well, I and loved like, it at the time. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, keg of nails. I love the victory bell that always resides at UC, and hopefully it continues to. Um, but but I mean, bell thing. I mean, I I love it. My, my guess is the people at Pitt were just like, look, like it's a, it's a whole new group of people from when the thing existed. It literally only existed for three seasons. I think they were just like, look, like we don't really like we want to win the game. We just don't really care about the River City rivalry trophy. And, you know, I, I mean, if you're Cincinnati, I'm just like, OK, whatever. Like we're coming to play. Right. I, I, I get it, but I, I don't get Pitt's part of this. I mean, what do they got to lose? The damn trophies. And they just, I guess they don't have room in their trophy case. Yeah, because Pitt. Championship in 19 freaking 76. Yeah, that's right. Pitt's been such a powerhouse since the, the mid 70s. So. You know, I think that was my first Pitt game in 1979 when UC went there and it was a student trip. <laughs> it was a disaster. The, the student trip enough. or the game? The, the game was trip. bad enough. The trip up there, they had a bunch of professors drive RVs of students, one of which oh, was God. me. And it yeah. was that we, we got to Columbus and we had to gas up these RVs, and some chick put the gas pump into an exhaust pipe and started. <laughs> fire. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's when you first started gassing up your own vehicles. And we sent Columbus for gas. And one of the RVs 
a student gets out and she's like, I know how to do this. She stuck it in the exhaust pipe and it started a fire and they never made it to Pittsburgh. They had to call them off. Oh, it was so funny. The 70s were fucking stuff wild, George. Oh, stuff happened back then. You couldn't even get, first of all, you couldn't even leave Clifton in these things with one professor driving and a bunch of students, like an RV full of students. It was crazy. And it, was, it was sponsored by the Student Association. And we had these shirts because, you know, Pitt had won the national championship in 1976. UC had no chance going up there three years later, but we're dumb students. We're going, we're going to have fun. And we had these shirts that said the Pitt Falls. They were red shirts with black letters for Pitt Falls. I mean, if I found this Bearcat Classic shirt, I can probably find that one, too. <laughs> we go drive yes. up in these RVs and go for a, a, a night trip. Oh, it was so funny. We had a you guys, ball. You guys all wore seatbelts, right? Everybody had a seatbelt oh, in the RVs? <laughs> there were kids hanging on the luggage racks on the top on I-70 out of Columbus. It was a joke. And they let us Beer with a head in the back of this RV. <laughs> of course, back then you could drink three two when you were eighteen. It was nuts. And these <laughs> poor professors, I feel so bad for everyone. They knew what they signed up for, no George. Idea. They would never allow that to happen now. They knew what they signed up for. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I knew what I signed up for, and I enjoyed every minute of it. God, it, it was a disaster. All God, right. We had fun. And UC got drilled. It was like 35 to nothing. But well, uh, And that was the old Pitt Stadium. Of course, now they got – look, say what you will about these newfangled stadiums and the NFL stadiums. They're great and all that. It's not a college stadium. And the fact that God bless Cincinnati, that we still have Nippert Stadium and what we have there – and an on-campus facility, as opposed to what Pitt has, where they're playing down in the Steelers State, the atmosphere just isn't the same. And they had, I think they had 42,000 or something. Good crowd last week for their game against Wofford, but uh, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And it, it, it was great to hear Emory Jones and those other kids who had never experienced a game at Pitt. Scott Satterfield. It's like you walk in this place, and when you have – those crazy, I mean, it's just right on top. You know how it is. Right. It's yeah. oh, yeah. you, you, you see a, a, a stadium with 100,000 people and it's a big bowl and all. It's just not the same atmosphere and the same intimacy that Nipper has in the middle of a campus. I mean, you see buildings that house classrooms and stuff around that. It's crazy. We have such a special thing going on here, and I hope, I, I hope the people here appreciate it because it's just—I uh, won't say totally unique because there's other places around the country like that, but but we've got one of them. We do have one of them. Uh, so let's fast forward fifty years back to the present. <laughs> <laughs> when professors aren't driving RVs, <laughs> uh, and and. What are you looking forward to now that we have EKU under their belt? What are you what are you hoping to see 
out of Cincinnati. What do you, I guess, what are your concerns and what do you think that they can take from EKU and continue to do? I think the confidence of Emory Jones is a big thing and get that first game under his belt. I don't care who it came against and, and get out there and do the things he did at higher ground and translate him into a game situation. So I think he's got that full head of steam. Uh, the fact that he distributed the ball, I want to see that to continue. I, I really think what was a weakness has now become a strength in the depth of that wide receiver room. Absolutely. Um, you know what they're going to have to do probably against Pitt? And, and Pitt's got a good defense. They've got, you know, Pat Narduzzi is a head coach, and Bearcat fans know all about him, a D'Antonio disciple. Uh, his dad was head coach at Youngstown State. He comes from the Youngstown area. It's, it fits right in with that Pittsburgh blue-collar mold. Um, they're they're, they're going to have – it's going to be smash mouth. I mean, they're going to have to do something with that pit defensive line that isn't overly big. And Scott Satterfield talked today about, um, you know, they're, they're, their quarterbacks may not be big, but they're very experienced. They're very good. Um, we, we may see the tight ends because UC's got some talent – at that position, we may see them get more involved. Um, and, and we may see the running backs have to play a little bigger role than they did against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, a lot sure. of people are predicting a, 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 a low scoring game, you know, a 20 to 17, something like that. Um, but I, I just, I want to see the Bearcats win the ball up front like we do every week. And I think they're 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 going to have to show a little more because they probably didn't show a whole lot. We saw all this stuff against Eastern Kentucky, but let's face it, they didn't throw everything out there. Maybe oh, it was vanilla. A bit of that vanilla. stuff. Maybe they're you know saving a little more, throwing the, some backs out of the backfield and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't put anything past Scott Satterfield because he is one of those offensive kind of guru type type of guys, mm-hmm. but. I want to see that. I want to see that defensive line to be a little more dominant. Um, they were good, but uh, you know, I thought Eric Phillips had a good game. I think he everybody did. else was okay. Yeah, how about that? Um, I, I think um, I, I want to see them be a little more dominant, a, a little more heat, um, and uh, if, if they can get the heat on that big quarterback, Pitt has. Uh, I think the Bearcats win this game. I know it's what a seven-point spread or something. So it, it opened at seven, uh, got as high as eight, and currently it sits at seven and a half. Uh, the over/under right now is at forty-seven. To your point, with uh, people thinking it's going to be somewhere around that 20, 27, 27, 20 type scoring. Um, so we'll we'll see what it ends up being. Uh, I I'm confident that it's. I think it's going to be higher scored than that for both teams. Um, I think that. I would probably take the over as far as points go. If it's, I'm going to do that, Aaron, and I'm going to pin it on you. But I am going to do it. Look, I, I none of none of this is advice you should take. Um, I promise. <laughs> but uh, I would I would take I'd probably take Cincinnati on the points too. Um, I think that they have a, a great shot to win this game, I and I think that, I think if you can catch it, especially at seven and a half, anything over seven, I think if you can catch Cincinnati on the points, I think you're probably bringing home some money. But Pitt's on a roll. Pitt won what the last five or six last year, including that bowl game. Uh, 
they come out and win that, that you know that was a gimme that was that was an easy putt for them but um they're no slouch they're no slouch but I, i'm not I, I to me when i saw that spread and i saw it jump i'm like what am i missing what am yep. i missing well they're I listened to Scott talk today, Scott Satterfield talk today, and he said uh, he's learned a lot the last two times that he's played Pitt. Um, each t- each game he's learned more than he knew about them the game before. Um, and having lost to them twice now uh, when he was at Louisville, uh, I think he's he's due. And I would I'd like to think that he's put to – no, what? They beat him last year pretty good. Be- they won last year. Okay. Yeah, they lost in 2020, I think. Pretty it was I think it was 23-10. It was 23-20 that game last year. They won like 24 to 10. Thanks for the um, correction. Then great. He's got you. his number. He's got, got his you. number. And he also, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what the final result was between BC and Louisville last year, but he's also familiar with this quarterback and, and game planning against him, or you know, it, it certainly uh uh the defensive coaches are there you go so i don't know i'm excited to see what they can do against a, a defense that's worth a shit against uh <laughs> an offense that has put some points on the board so i don't know I, I think that this uh ryan liked to use the word litmus test last night um i think that this is a a measuring stick game if there if there is one it really is i mean if they win this game you know, I'm not saying they're going to beat Oklahoma here. I don't know what happens there, but I'll tell you this. If they win this game on the road, they're a lot better than what people were giving them in the offseason coming into this when you're looking at, you know, four and a half, five and a half win totals. Um, I, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with if they get out of pit with a victory. I really do. I mean, I, I, I saw enough last week. Look, when you, you take on an EKU – you got to put up a number and you got to grab people's attention. 66 points grab my attention. Yep. So I look forward to discussing the results of that game. I'll be there uh, up in the oh, press I'll box. I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I'll be I in will. section. I, I forget what section. I'm in the nosebleeds. If you see some guy trying to get up steps and he's probably <laughs> getting an oxygen mask and a beer, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't put the uh, the gas in your exhaust yeah, pipe. In the the there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking an RV up there. <laughs> My well, uh, me up there. I'll have to I'll have to give you a shout before uh, kick like while people are still tailgating and see if I can find you. And yeah, I'll be around. All right, very good. Well, we will both be in pit then, so we'll be able to talk about the atmosphere and all that. So. Looking forward right. to it even oh, more now. Where you live, right? You're, no, it's like it's it's about a two and a half hour drive from here. So you're so. going up Saturday? Uh yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll be up there Friday somewhere. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'll be doing, but I'm gonna keep it low key. Yeah, I'm, I almost believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh switching gears here to the Cincinnati Reds last week. I was down on them, admittedly so. I, I was down on them for their uh, West Coast trip, and they turned it around. It ended up being five and five on the West Coast trip. Somehow, some way, uh, they they took a series against Chicago 
and ended up with a split there. I don't know how they pulled that off with, with two walk-offs, not one, but two walk-offs. Um, this, this Reds team is something special and, and they're doing it with, they don't even have a pitching staff. Their pitching staff, I think right now is like, it's somewhere between triple A and double A, right? Like th- that's yeah. what they're using. Yeah. It's stunning. It is stunning. Um, I'll be honest, Aaron, and and I mean, you can blast me for this and and, and follow up. I just don't see how it's going to last. I, I just don't. I mean, I feel like they're doing it. They're doing it. At some point, you blow a tire. You're out of gas. You're. Just, I mean, they are using kite string, bubble gun, all this crap. I mean, it's MacGyver what, shit. Yeah, a bullpen game. I mean, you're starting TJ Antone, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you got this. You you want to have a good chuckle? Go to Baseball Reference and, and look up Marriott's freaking career and all the teams he's been on. The pitcher that they pulled out of uh, hell, I think it was in an independent league, and and uh, I mean, he's not a journeyman; he's a vagabond. He is like a hobo. He has been in the Mexican <laughs> League. He's been – it's crazy. If you look at his career, and he pitched for the Royals uh, off and on for a couple years, I'm going to say about six years ago or whatever, and to pull, pluck this guy out, kudos to the Reds and their, their player personnel people who are just yeah. finding guys to plug holes because they got in such a bad way. Something happened. Stop it. They Nick Martini, three-run homer, six to six, bottom of the eighth. Stop. Wow. I gave up on him. See, now here I am. I don't Get even – I don't – I also don't have the game on. It's six to six, bottom eight. Unbelievable. Well, I hope they pull this out. It, it's nuts how they're doing this. No and, clue. And, you no know, clue. That Carson Spires out of nowhere to pitch. Because you have all those guys go on the yep. list. Yeah. Well, so it's, I know it's incredible. It is incredible I, what they're doing. And Connor had to come up and start tonight. And yeah. he gave up a couple of bombs, which is like saying Mrs. Lincoln, but um, but other than that, <laughs> seriously, I mean, it's his first time up here, and he's got a lot of promise. You don't want to ruin the kid, but I think it's good for him to get his feet wet. And I think it's going to I think it's going to uh further their expectations and further their chances for next year, getting these young guys up here and doing it. But but am I crazy? Do you think they're gonna be able to pull this off and, and get a playoff spot? Because I just can't see it happening given all the barriers that have been put up. I'll get to that uh, real quick. I did want to say thank you to GMAC for the $5 donation. He's excited for Tom Welling from Smallville commentating the pit. You see game on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well played. You got an update, Chad? No, I was just, I was going to George. I don't know how they like, I would, I would feel okay. I would feel better if this was like a two team wild card thing. Yeah, but there's like five teams that are all right within, you know, one two games of each other. That means the margin for error is just razor thin. And if you have a bad week, 
and this pitching staff, at some, like at some point there has to be a bad week, right? Like, yeah, I, I it doesn't I, make any sense that they're still they've won three or four. If they come back in this one, that's four or five with three late inning comeback wins. Like, and this I don't is know how they do it. Team. This is a Seattle team with a winning record. They're it's one of the best the teams in the American League, right? Um, that, and that, their star player is crushing the Reds. Yes, he is. He really is. Rodriguez um, is a monster. I mean, it just, I don't know. They keep proving people wrong. They're so much fun to watch. And I still watch and I still stay engaged. Um, they've been, I, I've done that all season because I've just loved these young guys. I loved what Jonathan India got going in, in spring training and had these guys on board. Um, they're a blast to watch. I think they're a year early, and I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, but if they can get there. Uh, I know the, the the records of teams they have left is a losing record. I mean, there's only a couple teams that they have left on the schedule, and Seattle's one of them. Uh, Seattle and Minnesota. Those are the only two teams left with winning records that they play the rest of September. Um, so – you know, it's not like that. It, it's a, a mountain that's not too high, but given all these hurdles, I don't, and, and Fangrass has them at like a 20% chance to make the playoffs now. Um, and I, I give them a little better chance than that, but I just can't see it happening. What do you think their chances are, Aaron? I mean, I'm not, I, I you say, you say that it's not sustainable, but I think we've all been saying that all season and yet somehow it's been sustainable. And I don't think that, I don't know that anyone's ever seen anything like this. True. And pe people have shit on David Bell all season for his management of the roster. When they say what you will him for about five years, <laughs> say, say what you will, but he was never given a great roster this right. season. They're right. the, the pitching staff on paper has been something that I would want to throw the paper away yes. and never look at again. The guy yesterday was like Jake Taylor in major league. Like he was strung out over a bed in the Mexican league with a bottle of tequila next to right. him. Right. And they were like, ah, oh, you're coming to the show, kid. It's insane. <laughs> it is. I, I, He's eastbound and down. Eastbound and down. Right. Like Kenny fucking powers. Which is I, just a rip -off I've been around a long time. I've never seen anything like this when it comes to having to stretch out pitching and go out and just find it and sign guys off the street. It's crazy. Here's what I wanted to ask, George. Over, under, on number of days until we hear Florence Freedom starter dot, dot, dot. Uh, we'll be the we'll be we'll be on the mound Monday for the Reds. Probably Saturday. <laughs> what's that? Three days, four days. Yeah. No, but they're, they're kidding. I mean, they, they, and look, God bless. Four jaws. Four jaws. Sorry. That's right. It is. I should have caught me. That's on me. You know how many times I called them the Freedom on Channel Five? <laughs> they're the jaws. And they've been the y'alls for a few years now, y'all. They they have been that. Um, uh, they, they should become, they all should be, the pitching staff should be coming back from COVID at this point. I think the CDC recommendation is five days after you last show symptoms. So right. it, they and should be, they do get back. I, I, it's 
this is going to be interesting in September. Yeah. They can just keep hanging on by their fingernails what they're doing, um, and they're getting into these teams that aren't all that great. Um, I mean, I, I give them a better than 20% chance of Fangrass does. Um, what do you think? Do you think they're going to make it? I think at this point, if, if they win tonight after being down – I I can't I can't say that they're not going to make it. I I, I firmly I firmly believe they're going to make it. Um, whether as a I don't think they're going to come back and, and clinch the division by any shot. Um, that'd be no. That's, that's that's yeah. That's probably a foregone conclusion. Unfortunately, stranger things have probably happened, but that oh, would be, a thousand percent. But would, when you're they entered tonight down six games. Uh, in six games right now, when you only have what twenty some odd games left, right? Uh, that's an eternity. Uh, yeah, we, so, we, so much has to go right. And uh, granted, um, to your point, there's a lot of series that should be winnable series, if not sweepable series. Um, but who knows what the pitching staff is that we're even going to be sending out there? So, do you think part of this is just because these guys? I mean, look, they got a lot of young guys who. They don't know any better. You always hear people say that, but these guys believe in themselves. And I know, uh, you know, McLean's out now, but it doesn't yeah. seem to matter. No, they and all just have that crazy energy that, as we saw tonight, no matter how what what it is, it can be five to one, six to one, seven to two, nine to three. They don't give up. No, and we, we kind of saw the same thing, I guess, if you want to try and compare with the Bengals when they kind of cleared house all the old vets that had yeah. just never been able to get the you know over the hump. Once you brought in Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all those guys, you were able to take that, that step finally. And I wonder if with literally – they they don't know what they don't know with with these rookies all coming up. I think you got what like eighty four rookies currently on the, uh, the, the 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 roster. It's it's yeah. obscene. Well, they play, obscene what they've been they doing, play and they play hard. And um, honestly, there's some things they need to fix in the off season when it comes to the pitching staff and all that. They're going to have money to do that, and. You know, apparently they tried to, you know, hit some guys on the waiver wire for pitching, but hey, that, know, that's looked to be okay. Later, I give them two thumbs up for being willing to pick up those contracts, and they should. I mean, they're paying nothing to anybody else except Votto, and it, it's like they should do that, and they did the best they could, and that's not what we've seen a lot of in the past, but they did it this time. I wish – there would have been a way to do it at the, at the uh, trade deadline, but um, I, 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 I'm sure teams were trying to hold them up. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Cleveland picked up Lucas Giolito, and he, yeah, I, I think it was yesterday, um, three innings pitched, nine earned runs, 76 pitches, 66% strikes. Yeah, he, he's been brutal. That's why he's out there. He's been brutal. I, I, I would have taken the flyer on him. Sure. I Cleveland, right. I would have given it a shot. And maybe it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a blessing it didn't work out. And yeah, you know, it could be. You're right. We're we're it's stuck to get this guy from the Mexican league instead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 worked out. Blessing in disguise. We'll we'll take it. Um, 
I don't know what's going to happen tonight with Seattle. We'll keep you updated as the show progresses, but uh, that'd just be another another game closer. Yeah, no, I mean they, they've been they've been scrapping and scrambling and getting it done. That's now, you can the do. Bengals, well, the Bengals, you brought up them and how they were, mm-hmm. you know, arrived before people thought they would, and they did. I mean, I was shocked that year. I'll be honest. Um, I thought they would be good in a year or two um, after, you know, Joe Burrow came back from that knee injury. That season was magical. Last year, people were kind of expecting it, and they certainly lived up to those expectations. And that game in Kansas City was a coin flip to go to the Super Bowl. What are we looking at this week in Cleveland? Well, right now, it's set at two and a half in favor of Cincinnati. Um, I believe I'll have to go check that again. Um, the latest I saw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati's favorite two and a half. Um, Joe Burrow did post, I believe on Instagram, uh, a picture from him in high school where he's wearing a super tight, almost looks painted on LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> Jersey, as he's looking at himself in the mirror, uh, essentially his I'm back moment. And, uh, selling you get ready he's going to be in cleveland um joe burrow in practice has looked like he hasn't missed a beat from the clips that i've seen now that doesn't mean that i i've gotten to see the ones that he has looked like he's missed a beat i'm sure there's been some of those as well um but it's good to see that he he still has a highlight reel to put together in practice so i i don't know that i've seen anything like that come out of what Deshaun Watson put together this camp. Um, Of course, I I wasn't looking for Deshaun Watson highlight videos, but people certainly put plenty of lowlights together for Deshaun Watson. Um, Maybe that's just part of my algorithm because I have plenty of Cincinnati fans in in my my Twitter stream. But uh, I don't know. I mean – you were saying off air before we even started the show, Deshaun Watson's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get with Deshaun Watson. It, it is crazy to me how good this kid was his first few years in the league, and then the stuff happens. And, look, did I expect him to pick up where he left off with the Browns last December? No. But did I expect him to look like that? Hell no. He looked terrible. He's throwing 10-yard passes into the dirt, missing guys. (laughs) It was the most disjointed-looking crap that you can throw out there in December for an NFL team with their supposed number one quarterback. It was awful. And the preseason hasn't looked a lot better. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if everything blew his mind. I don't know if he got his $230 guarantee. I don't know what's going on. But I'll tell you what, they better hope that works out because they're on the hook for a long time with this dude. Yeah. And they've got talent, and he's talented. He has shown he can do it in the NFL, and he's done it against the Bengals, not this Bengals defense, but he's done it where we were able to eyeball him, and it's like this kid's pretty special. I don't know what's going on there. He is a wild card. I don't know what to expect. I feel like it's what I said about the Bearcats, <laughs> the football season with them and, and, and Emory Jones. It's like, I, 
I don't know what to expect. Can he really continue to play that poorly? Um, I got to think the coaches up there, and they're all into this player development and all this stuff. And they, I mean, I, I got to believe they're somewhat competent, but they got to figure it out. And we're going to find out really quickly on Sunday what he's all about and what the Browns are all about because they do have talent. I mean, look. Nick Chubb tore him the shreds last year. Yeah, um, I'm more. I'm I'm far more concerned about Nick Chubb than I am about Deshaun Watson. Yep, I I, I understand that. I understand that. And, and you know, they got a good tight end. They tried to upgrade a receiver. Their offensive line should be very very good, um, and it's going to need to be against the Bengals uh, defense, but. If there's anyone, I, 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 to me, it's like you don't want to play the Browns in week one because you don't know what in the hell to expect out of anything out of them. I, I don't know what to expect. I expect and, the Browns to Brown. That's what's that? I expect. I expect the Browns to Brown. I, I think if, if nothing else, you can expect the Browns to Brown. And I I guess I, I think that it's okay that they're playing them week one. I, I think it's a, a – obviously – any AFC North matchup is going to be a, a fiercely fought battle and right. nothing, nothing is given that said, if I had to play a division foe week one, give me the Browns over the Steelers over the Ravens every time. I would say I have the least confidence in the Browns being a competitor this year. Exactly. However, I do think their talent is really good. And, and that's not just on offense. I mean, their defense. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That defense is, yeah. They have play. It's going to be fun to watch. And I know I was sitting here last week bloviating about how I thought they'd blow the Browns out. (laughs) I'm going to say the Bengals by 10 or more. I'm on double digits. Yeah. Well, I I mean, favorite, favorite two and a half in Cleveland, week one. Cleveland's. Just I don't I don't feel like they've they've figured it out yet. I yeah, I don't still... think I don't think Deshaun has either. I, I just the 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 stuff in the preseason just wasn't there. Um I, I but we'll see. We'll see. And uh you know, God bless Jerome Ford being the backup up there at running back, but I hope he doesn't break one like we saw him do at Nippert a few times. Yeah, you can you can do it, just not against this team, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope he runs for 1,500 yards the rest of the year and 15 against the Bengals. Uh, I'm with you, though. I, I think that they'll they'll win this game handily. I, I think that it's going to be um, where we find out that this secondary for the Cincinnati Bengals is really, really good this year. And Deshaun Watson is, is probably not going to enjoy this secondary. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Like I said, they're on the hook for so much money guaranteed to him i mean this is uh and and you know their track record with quarterbacks isn't bad it's horrible (laughs) it's not the same people in charge it's not i you've seen those shirts where they have all the quarterbacks listed since 1999 for the browns and it's it's an ugly ugly list well, and you bring up guaranteed money, you bring up the quarterback situation, and I just got a uh, an alert uh, several minutes ago 
that according to the athletic, there's optimism that the Bengals quarterback reaches an agreement on an extension before the start of the 2023 season. So that'll uh, happen by the end of the week, obviously. I'm going to I'm just about to bring that up to you. If I'm you- going to assume that that's Paul. I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I, I assume that's Paul Daner of the athletic. It came from a bleacher report. Um, yeah. Uh, and we should so. make sure of that. And dang it. I don't always have my phone by my side. I, I got gotcha. you. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up while you talk. But <laughs> but, but I was going to ask you about that whole contract thing. And people today were all fired up. This would be a great day. It's 9-5. Extend Burrow. Extend Higgins. Um, and, and they do have to get T taken care of. And I think they will. Um, I always felt like Burrow would have to be taken care of first, just so you know what 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 money you have to play with down the road. But I I do not see Joe Burrow as a guy that it matters to him if he signed or not going into the season because I think he realizes there's a couple more years, there's franchise tags, there's all that stuff. Um, I, I don't think it would have affected his play one way or the other. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a he doesn't seem like a guy who that would affect his play at all. Right. Um, by the way, that that does come uh, courtesy of Diana Rossini. Um, okay. The the newly acquired from ESPN, Diana Rossini. Um, but well, I hope that that's true. I really do, and I hope it's a I hope it's a a contract, and I'm sure it is. Joe Burrow wants a win. He's not going to hold the Bengals against a wall for a contract that's debilitating to them in the future, not to keep team, you know, not to keep other players on this team that, that they're going to need to compete for Super Bowls. And and I know uh, in the offseason there was speculation that you could have some creative contract about percentages of the salary cap. And quite honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think that's a good idea because that salary cap's always flying up. So if you take a certain percentage of that, it's going up every year. Whatever it takes to keep Joe here is what you have to do at the end of the day. Um, And I think that that's the difference between Joe and a Deshaun Watson who needed to have the entire contract guaranteed. The difference between a Lamar who had to represent himself because he didn't want an agent to get a cut. And then that was a whole debacle in and of itself where Maybe there's this guy who's posting videos saying that he is representing Lamar. That's also also selling home workout machines and all of that weird stuff that ended up going on in Lamar's camp. I don't even know. Um, But but then you also had people wondering if he held himself out because he didn't want to come back from injury right during the playoffs as he's coming up on a contract year and just a lot of weird things there. Um, you also have Joe Burrow, on the other hand, who has made sure that houses in his neighborhood were sold to his teammates. He yeah. talked to neighbors to get them to move out. So he would have his teammates largely, I believe, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, if I'm not mistaken, moved into his neighborhood. So that's just the type of guy that Joe Burrow is compared to some of the other quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett hasn't been around long enough to have any story about him other than his tiny hands. Right. Uh, so um, that, that just is what it is, but I don't, he's a high, a high character guy. I mean, uh, right. Rachel, no, Rachel knows and has 
she's from Athens where everybody knows everybody. They are high quality humans out here, both his parents. And that's just who he's always been. And this town adores him. And when everybody, when everybody knows everybody, they know your dirty shit too. And nobody has a bad word to say about the kid. Yeah, no, his parents did a fantastic job and I have all the respect in the world for both of them after, you know, not dealing directly all the time, but seeing what they do and what they've done and how they've conducted themselves and the lives they've led. And um, I, I was really concerned about Lamar Jackson last year when he didn't make the trip to Cincinnati. Right. You know, because that that was like, dude, you got to know better than that. I mean, you've got to. And look, John Harbaugh is a big fan, a fan of Lamar's. Uh-oh, we have a Reds update. Walk off. W. Victory! Ellie, Ellie beat out a routine grounder to short, stole second, and scored on a Christian Encarnacion Strand single. Of course Ellie did that. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a it was a kind of slower hopper to short, but it was what for 99% of baseball is an out. Kids and he beat it. Pretty easily stole second and then scored on an Encarnacion strand single. Reds win seven to six in a game they trailed six to three in the bottom of the eighth. That's a great win. That is great. But I'm the wet, I'm the Reds wet blanket tonight. I'm the (laughs) saying they won't make the playoffs. Keep Uh, it up. I will. Don't you dare fucking change. Because I will (laughs) if they do make the playoffs. And they get their guys back in the rotation. You never know. Are they better than the Braves? No. But the playoffs are not a long-haul thing. Nope. You just need a break here and a break there. And these kids, if they have a hot night, I don't put anything past them. And, and so I am uh, I'm stoked about that. I, I really am. They're so much fun to watch. But uh, I'm going to keep saying no playoffs for the Reds. And I hope like hell I'm wrong. Well, you were you were talking about Lamar and him not making the trip. Yeah, that was a bummer, I thought. I, I just thought that was a bad move. Like, if you're the quarterback and Joe gets this, a lot of quarterbacks get it, especially the successful. You are kind of like the CEO of the players and the team, and you're the guy that has to be the guy. You can't be the one that says, eh, screw management, screw this, screw that. That just causes it. I'm not saying you have to be lockstep with everything management does, but you got to be in control. You can't throw tantrums. You can't, um, you, you, you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. Let's face it. The Bengals were a bit of a mess when Joe Burrow walked into that building. You know, they had a, a coach with one year under his belt. They went, what, two or three wins that year. Um, things changed. And that's because you had a guy who was a leader and was in concert with the coach. Whether the coach made it happen or he made it happen, somehow they were like this. They were a team. Yeah. And everybody else was a team. And that's, uh, quite honestly, it's oversaid, but it's not overstated. It's the ultimate team sport. I think I read somewhere that he's been more vocal as a leader this year as well, Joe, yeah. already. 
Um, yeah. which that's something that, that's something that I, I've wanted to see him step more into um, as he grew into his role. And I think that he's only getting older. And I think that now's as good a time as any for him to to step into that role. So I, I look forward to seeing the way that unfolds this season. Yep. I, I, I just think uh, the sky's the limit for this team, the way they have it built. And I know they've got some big contracts coming up, but I also have faith. Uh, that they're going to figure it out. And it's going to be interesting to see what this contract is, though, and how it's structured and, you know, how much of it does seep out. We can figure it out. But I expect it to be uh, very friendly for the future of this franchise to continue to build the way they have. Do you think it's going to be a situation where you also are able to sign T. Higgins? I do. I really do. I, I can be crazy. Um, you know, I think the writings on the wall where, you know, this will be it for Tyler Boyd, which is a shame because he's, a, yeah. you know, speaking of Pitt, um, but he's a, uh, consummate team guy who has been, I mean, in the darkest days, he believed in what Zach Taylor was selling and was a big voice in that locker room saying, this is the right way to do things. And this is what we need to do. Um, I hate to see him go. I hate to see him go, but that's, that's the NFL. And I think they're going to figure that out. And, you know, the kid from Purdue will end up taking his deal and and they'll be fine. Um, that That's just the brutal part of the NFL. And that's a brutal part of a salary cap. You can't keep everybody, but by golly, I hope Tyler Boyd walks out with a big old ring on his finger after this season. I'd love to see it for him. It'd be fun. Um, other contract. It's been good. Other big contracts coming up are also uh, a Wouzier and uh, Chidobi Wouzier and DJ Reader. So I obviously you can't say yeah, that's tough. I mean, they got to figure out Reader. He's been so instrumental to that defense. Um, you know, and they they were able to get Logan Wilson signed, and, and he's been a big part of it. Um, that, you know, Pratt. that's that that's why Duke's making the big bucks to figure that puzzle out. <laughs> And it is a puzzle. It, yep. It's not. It's not easy to do. And you know, he has help with Katie Blackburn. Obviously, she's kind of a wizard with those contracts and the salary cap and how that how that works. But um, my trust is that uh, they've got such a good core that they want to keep it together. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about them for a while. What do you think? You think uh, you think they got the brain power to keep it together down there? I think this is probably Wuzier's last year. I don't. I don't see a situation that's where. I don't. I don't see a situation where they, they've brought in so much secondary, and I feel like that's probably the easiest situation that you can replace. It's not that I want to see Chidobe Wuzier go. I just think that that's going to be the way that, that card falls. Um, and I don't. Know, I don't know if you can keep both Reader and T Higgins. I think that's going to be the decision they have to make. That's that's a. Yeah. Um, Reader as a defensive tackle going in, I believe he's going to be 30 next year. And that, um, that's the thing, too. That That's where, you know, you do go, okay, is it time to turn it over? And, right. and he may have two or three good years left. I don't know. But if, if you're getting two or three good years, are you getting two or three good years out of him? Or are you having to sign him and hoping? I mean, that's you're not going to sign him for two or three years. You're going to have to sign him for probably four to five years. And are you signing a guy for 45 years if you're knowing you're only going to probably get two to three years? 
So uh, you let him walk and you draft the godfather. Yeah, well, that, that, <laughs> that's a that's a discussion for a different day. But boy, he would um, love that. I don't think that kid wants to leave Cincinnati. I'll say that. I know I saw a joke somewhere when uh, he said when Dante was saying in a uh, it was it was on Twitter, but it was it was. Dante had said that there was no amount of money that he was going to leave Cincinnati for and discussing the new turnover for uh, the coaching staff and all of that. And somebody said, Mike Brown taking notes and had a... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. But, but, oh my God, that is so the, funny, but yeah, there's truth there. On that note, did you have anything? Uh, FC Cincinnati did get a win this week. Um, they're cruising. They're cruising. They're, they're they, they, made the, they, made, they lost this week. They, they made the playoffs, but they lost this yeah, week. Yeah, they're Sorry cruising. They'll, they'll be fine. I mean, there's no way anybody – they're in great shape. Uh, high school football, um, I think Lloyd won again. Oh, I there. It's correct, sir. Unfortunately, they beat the crap out of a good friend of mine, uh, Ben Nevels and Holmes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see that game. I went to the upload game. Ben is one of my favorite people. Let's see. What were some other good games this week? I know Milford and Angler went up as good. Moeller losing to East Central. That was shocking. East Central is, uh, yeah, well, that ringer kid, the running back has been amazing. How about this one? Oak Hills beating Coleraine. First win over Coleraine since 1992. That was um, head coach Bob Klotz at Oak Hills had the last win. And I believe his son is on the staff at Oak Hills now. So that's interesting. That the um, Sorry. Texting my kid to take care of the dogs. <laughs> we only handled him stuff here i mean i don't want we, we, we do have a puppy i don't want pee and poop to clean up when we get done with this no i don't either i'm gonna uh, take rain is just a wild deal how quickly that talent pool dried up like it was two years ago it feels like it was unbelievable it was unbelievable and i, I it, uh, here's the question is this ultimately what you get when you happen to have the same high school produce the number one and number two graded defensive players in the country on the same college team in the same year, something that's never been done before. The football gods were like, all right, enough. Enough. Yeah. Some... That's it. That's it. You're done. You're done. Yeah. I mean, they had a run like not many can, especially as a public school. I mean, it goes all I mean, the way back to that's incredible. Carey, right? Or did Carey, was Carey really the... Yeah, Carey, uh, Carey kind of got that ball rolling. Um, they yeah. had a, they had decent teams before, though, because they knocked off Moeller, um, I want to say in the late 80s. They they had a win over Moeller. But, uh, uh, but then, you know, Carey kind of squared it and... And certainly Tom Bolton kept it going, but you just can't. I mean, in a public school system, it's hard to keep that going forever. Princeton used to have it going, and they lost it for a while. Now they have it back. Um, 
That's crazy. But we have so many good high school football teams. Um, I don't know if we have as many this year as what we used to have, but um, there's still so many good programs that it, it, it's crazy. It's so much fun to watch these kids play, too. All right. Well, um, I did see uh, one one last note. I just uh, put it out. Hashtag Bearcats in the NBA. Uh, Trey Scott has officially signed with the Charlotte Hornets. So good on him. Good Cheers, good Cheers to you, Trey. Uh, right. with, with that, that's going to wrap up our second episode here at George in the Jungle. Thanks, George, as always. Uh, thanks to Chad for popping in with his quips here and there and for updating us on a Reds game that we <laughs> were not quite up to date oh, on. Reds win. Reds win. Uh, we're looking for another Bearcats win at Pitt this weekend. Looking for a Bengals win at Cleveland. And hopefully Cincinnati can keep the magic alive before we come back to you next Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. See you then.